Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 1 to 12. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this amongst themselves and said, is it because we didn't uh, bring any bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to be on guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is the Gospel of Christ. There we go. Morning, everyone. I just have a, a quick notice to give. Uh, you'll know that the mission morning is coming up next Saturday. Uh, and unfortunately, Howard, who is going to come and speak, uh, has unfortunately had to have surgery this week. And so, yeah, he will no longer be with us. But uh, so, firstly, please keep him and his family in your, in your prayers. Uh, but do come along next week. It's still going to be a, a wonderful morning as we um, hear from Jay and from Rosie Fife as well. So... That's next next Saturday, 10 a.m. Uh, 9 a.m., sorry, 9 a.m. Margaret was giving me the look when I said that. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray and uh, ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, thanks for a, another chance to uh, open up your word, to look uh, at the Gospel of Matthew. Father, please give us uh, a willingness to hear you this morning. Please, by your spirit, uh, allow us to obey you. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Well, we live in quite an uh, amazing period of time. Almost uh, any information we want is, is right at our fingertips. We can find out about things happening in other parts of the world uh, in just a matter of moments. If you don't know how to do something, search it on the internet and you'll get numerous instructional videos to talk you through. Just a couple of weeks ago, I made use of this. 
I was uh, mowing the lawn and I ran out of fuel. And then I accidentally put oil in the fuel compartment. <laughs> now, thankfully, there was a, a video for, for people like me, so I, I drained it and now it's as good as new. Mostly. Uh, and it's not just videos. If you, if you want to get clued up on a particular topic, just search it online and you're bound to get hundreds of suggestions. But with all the information out there, it's very easy to be overwhelmed at times. It can be hard to know what's actually true and what's not. Uh, I saw an article the other day entitled 50 Famous People Who Were Reported Dead But Were Actually Still Alive. Now, some of the people included Paul McCartney, Celine Dion, Eddie Murphy, Michael Jordan, and so on. All wrongly reported dead. And this, of course, is just one small example. With all the information we're bombarded with, it's hard to know what's true and what's not. What's actually trustworthy information and what's not. In the current climate, it can be hard to be discerning. As Christians, we strive to be discerning so that we might give God glory and honour, the glory and honour that he deserves. But that's no easy task. In fact, in this morning's verses, the disciples show us that being discerning is not easy, that there are things that stop us from being discerning. But there are a couple of things which stand out that help us to be more discerning as we seek to live for God in his world. So as we turn to the passage, uh, we see our, our old friends, the Pharisees, have come knocking again, and they test Jesus by asking to see a sign from heaven. The last time they had asked for a sign was in chapter 12, and they didn't get what they were after. So this time they bring some different friends, the Sadducees. As we've seen in previous weeks, both of these groups were highly respected. They were leaders of their time. But they were an odd combination. Odd because they actually disagreed on things. And one of the biggest things that they disagreed on was the resurrection. The Sadducees believed that after death there was nothing, whereas the Pharisees believed in life beyond the grave. So you have people who don't see eye to eye, willing to look past their differences, to unite against the Lord Jesus. And immediately we see something that's worth remembering. Don't be surprised if people who normally don't see eye to eye join forces in their opposition to the Lord Jesus. As our culture continues to shift away from Christianity, the message of the gospel becomes increasingly offensive to some. We mustn't be surprised when those who normally disagree on things decide to unite together in their opposition to Jesus. Well, as we continue, it's, it's interesting that in verse 1 it says, the Pharisees and the Sadducees test Jesus. Now, this, this word test, it's the same word that's used to describe what Satan does to Jesus in the wilderness in chapter 4. He tempts or tests Jesus. So this testing is alerting us to the fact that some, it's alerting us to something of the Pharisees' intentions. They're trying to catch him out. So they come to Jesus for a sign. But, last, but like last time, Jesus refuses. And as I mentioned before, Jesus gives a very similar answer to what he did in chapter 12. But in verse 2, he adds something a little bit different. He replies, When evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. 
And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the weather, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Red sky at night, shepherds delight. Red sky in the morn, shepherds warn. Uh, You've probably heard that phrase, and very often it rings true. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they know how to tell the weather based on a red sky. But when it comes to the signs of the times, they're way off the mark. Now this phrase, signs of the times, this is the only place it's used in the Bible. It seems to be referring to the signs that Jesus has been doing. I mean, in recent chapters, he's done numerous miracles, all in a short space of time. He fed more than 5,000 people, he walked on water, he's healed a demon-possessed girl, and he's fed more than 4,000 people once again. Now, the Pharisees and Sadducees would have heard about these things, but they failed to acknowledge that what Jesus is doing is from God. In chapter 12, they attribute what Jesus did to Satan. Jesus' assessment of the Pharisees and Sadducees is this. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. The wickedness, their adulterousness, seems to be referring to their spiritual state. See, they turn to God when it's convenient, but we've come to learn that their hearts are distant. So what is this sign of Jonah? Uh, Is Matthew just cutting corners now? Uh, Because he's already told us back in chapter 12 what it was, and so this time he doesn't spell it out. Uh, Chapter 12, he says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with just this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Now one greater than Jonah is here. So that's the sign of Jonah in Jesus' words. Uh, And there's two main parts to the sign. There's Jesus predicting his death and resurrection, and there's a call for repentance. See, the Ninevites, they were a wicked people, a bloodthirsty people who were opposed to God. They're described elsewhere as a ravenous lion wanting to devour its prey. But when they're confronted by Jonah, they repented. They turned from their evil ways, something that the, the Pharisees and Sadducees seem uninterested in doing. When the Son of God appears to them, calling for repentance and faith, sadly, that's not the response we see. And so, they will face God's judgment. They seem unwilling to take on board Jesus' words, and so Jesus leaves them. And he heads across the lake with his disciples, but the disciples forget to take bread. Now Jesus warns them, be careful be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now the disciples, after some, after some discussion, draw the conclusion that he must be talking about the bread that they've forgotten. Jesus is aware of what's going on and he, he criticises them for a lack of faith. He's baffled that even after two miracles where he's provided bread when there wasn't enough, the disciples are still able to worry about not having any bread. Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? 
How is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? This, this section reveals something that's true of all of us, even today. We can be so quick to focus, our immediate, focus on our immediate circumstances that we end up ignoring things of eternal significance. That's the disciples. They're worried about bread, the thing that Jesus has provided in abundance. It's like they've forgotten. They should be thinking about the spiritual significance of what Jesus is saying. They should be concerned about being excluded from God's kingdom, which is what the Pharisees and Sadducees are at risk of. It's very easy for us to be worried about things in this life uh, in a way that distracts from eternal things. Now, that's something that we're going to think about a little bit more later. So if it's, if it's not about the bread, then what is it that Jesus is warning against? Well, verse 12, Then they understood that Jesus was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, I'm no expert baker. I'm, I'm no baker at all. But this image of the Pharisees as the yeast seems to be quite a powerful one. Because yeast influences the dough. It makes it rise. In our passage, we see the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees as as being influential in a negative way. They've missed the signs of the times, and like yeast, they influence those who they come into contact with. And their influence spreads rapidly. So Jesus has a stern warning for his disciples. Verse 6. Be careful. Be on your guard. Then again in verse 11, be on your guard. What does it mean to be on your guard? Well, be alert, be aware, be perceptive. It's a call to the disciples to be discerning, a call to recognize that the Pharisees and Sadducees are outside of God's kingdom and drifting further and further away. As Christians today, we too need to be discerning. As we encounter different voices telling us what to do and how to do it, we need discernment. There aren't people just walking around with badges that say Pharisee or or Sadducee on them. But there are no shortage of people who continue to be opposed to the Lord Jesus and his kingdom. People who teach things that are contrary to the word of God. Therefore, be discerning. Well, how do we do that? Uh, Two ways that we see in the passage. One, remind yourself of God's perspective on things. Uh, And this this is no easy task. As we saw today, something as simple as forgetting to take bread distracted the disciples from understanding as God intended. The fact is, the troubles of this life can weigh down on us pretty heavily. Sickness, debts, disappointments... Burdens we carry, burdens that others are unaware of. Many more things that can take their toll on us. Many voices telling us how to approach these things. In the midst of these troubles, it's important to see what God has to say. What does God intend to teach us? What does he want us to know? How does knowing that God has secured my future in heaven with him change the way I view things 
in this life? How does knowing God's love for me change the way I view the troubles of life? And there are three questions which Jesus asked the disciples, which are striking. Do you still not understand? Don't you remember? How is it you don't understand? Well, there's no better way to remember and understand God's perspective on things than by looking at his word. It helps us guard against false teaching. The more we look at it, then the more we will see things from God's point of view. Now, there's an illustration that does the rounds from time to time, which many of you, I'm sure, will have heard. Uh, imagine a rope that, that starts here and just, just keeps going miles and miles into the distance. Uh, it doesn't end. Uh, and on this rope, there's a little bit of tape, about an inch worth of tape at this end. Now, the tape represents the length of your life on earth, while the rest of the rope that keeps going represents eternity with God in heaven. When we think about how short this life is in the scheme of things, it helps us to see that the troubles of this life are temporary, that they pale in significance to what lies ahead, to the glory that awaits us, to the glory that awaits when we will be with God. So we become better at discerning uh, by reminding ourselves of God's perspective on things. The second way that we can be discerning is by accepting God's correction. The disciples at, at various times show, how they un, show that they understand what Jesus is teaching them. But at other times, they make mistakes. They get things wrong. They need to be corrected. They paint a picture of what the Christian life is like. But what is admirable about the disciples is that when Jesus corrects them, they usually humbly accept his correction. And it allows them to be discerning. There's an openness to God's correction. This morning they were contrasted with the Pharisees and Sadducees who simply refuse to accept that they're wrong. When God corrects you or challenges an aspect of your life, what is, what is your response? Will you accept it? Now, there's a toxic view which sometimes creeps into our churches where we convince ourselves that other Christians are not sinful. Whether it's the person up the front or a Christian who we look up to, we think that they've got it all together. They don't seem to need God's correction, which of course couldn't be further from the truth. But when we think like that, we start to think that we shouldn't be making mistakes in our own lives. And we start to try and hide our mistakes, to hide our own shortcomings, to hide our sin. And when the Lord corrects us, maybe we pretend like we don't need it, like we're on the right track, like the Pharisees and Sadducees. The disciples accept Jesus' correction, and by the end of the passage, it gives them the chance to be discerning. Some of the great encouragements that they provide us with come later in the Bible. They're able to go on and do some wonderful things for the sake of the gospel. Most of them go on to discern between what is of God and what is not. And I take it this is because they don't stop accepting the Lord's correction as they go. Now one way that God helps us to be discerning is through Christian community. We're all at various stages here in the Christian journey. Some of us may be very new to Christianity. Some of us have been walking with God for a while. 
and some of us even longer. And we sharpen each other. Those who have been following Christ for longer get alongside those who are earlier in the journey. We encourage each other. We correct each other. We help each other to be on our guard against the yeast of our time, which can so easily lead us astray. The Christian life isn't meant to be lived in in isolation. You may know some brothers or sisters who are isolated for health reasons or otherwise. It's good for us to be thinking about how we can still help those who are isolated to be discerning. Uh, One way is how we we use the live stream. Perhaps another way is there's someone you can visit, uh, you can walk alongside in the Christian life. Over the years, I'd, I'd hate to think how far I might have drifted from Christ had it not been for other Christians alongside me, helping me to see when I'm at risk of rejecting God's correction. We need others to help us to see and accept God's correction. So there we are, Matthew 16, 1 to 12. In a time of information overload, let us be discerning by reminding ourselves of God's perspective on things and by accepting God's correction. Uh, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in a world that's uh, often full of information, in a world where our troubles threaten to take our gaze away from you and your purposes, please would you help us to be discerning. Even as we celebrate communion now, help us to see your perspective to see your love for us as we remember the Lord Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. Help us to be those who accept your correction when it comes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.